It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Welcome in. That was ugly, Phil. <laughs> it got ugly fast. That's exactly how I titled this episode. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. It just, you know, was a, was a poor showing on all fronts. Yeah. Know, uh, you know, Kai Kroger looking like the best freaking quarterback we got on the team. He threw a strike, man. <laughs> a great the kid, the kid can throw the ball. <laughs> uh, South Carolina goes down to number one, Georgia, 48-7. Uh, our number one is brought to you by City Sear Foss Realtor 864 414 5271. Today's poll question <laughs> I, you know, after I put this up, Phil, I, I think it's a pretty much an obvious poll. Mm. Uh, what do the game guys need to do better? Play better, coach better, all the above. All the above is winning significantly 81.7. And I, I tend to believe that. I, yeah. I think that, uh, it, it's, uh, when you start a season like this, and and I don't think I don't think South Carolina's played its best in any of the three games, even though they won the first one. Uh, but when you when you go th- start a season like this, it's always all of the above, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, um, I I you know looking back, and, and I put my thoughts up on the BigSpur.com. VIP members can read that. But uh, you know, Phil, first drive of the game, South Carolina comes out. Uh, I don't, you know, and look, I, I think there's two schools of thought. Anytime you're talking about the coin toss, uh, I was surprised they took the ball, yeah. uh, because you go out there on defense, the crowd's loud still, uh, you know, you don't know Georgia facing the crowd noise. If, if you, they're going to misfire or something and, you know, then you kind of save that possession for the second half. Uh, but the Gamecocks took the ball, uh, Rattler completes a pass to Stogner for a first down. Things are looking good. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lloyd with a run on second down. I, I thought he'd gotten more than four, but I guess they marked him down. But but hey, they, they had a hole, right? Yeah, you know, and it, yeah, didn't get stuff, positive yardage. And, and I think in a game like this, you know, positive yardage in the run game was probably pretty positive. Um, and then here comes Decarion Joyner, and I and I feel bad for Decarion. I don't think it's his fault, you know. I, I think that, uh, you know they continuously have put him in bad situations when they throw him into the game. Yeah. Uh, Joyner has a package. Okay. Not, he doesn't have a play. It's a package, you know, and, and when a package is a group of plays. Uh, so when you run the same thing over again, you know, most of these college coaches over the summer, what they're doing in South Carolina is no different. They're watching film of the opponent and, and creating what's called a preliminary game plan. Right. Well, here are the looks they give us. Here's what that happens. You know, Georgia's got like three or four pretty good defensive minds on that staff. Right. <laughs> you don't think they watched Carolina film last year and said, all right, well, when five comes in, the Wildcat, he's going to keep it. Um, and it is, his, his credit, he ran hard, got three yards. But, man, at that point, the momentum just went out of the stadium. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then there, there's three there's three three plays that that did that ended at Carolina's chances of even making it respectable. I don't know if things go well for Carolina on offense early that it's even a game in the fourth quarter just because Georgia's that good. 
Right. Uh, and it was that big of a mismatch, but that was number one. Number two, you hit the long pass to Jaheim Bell, which finally they got him vertical. Good things happened there, 46-yard gain. Uh, so, you know, here he goes. Here you go, right? So two plays later, Rattler throws a, another ill-advised interception. He's got to tighten up. Yeah. Um, you know, we can talk about play calling, which was left a lot to be desired. We can talk about coaching all we want. Uh, and I do think they need to put him in a better position, but he he's got to stop forcing the ball into coverage down the field. That that's that is not a good look for a quarterback of his stature. You know, for a quarterback with his talent. Now he's going to throw some picks. I think you know that's just that's just part of it. Sometimes when you got a guy with a kind of a gunslinger mentality out there, but they've come in critical situations. That was super critical. There was no reason to throw the ball. Okay. Yeah. So that drive stalled. So then, then okay, so you, you're behind. And a great job, great play design by Pete Limbo, who is uh, a great coordinator. <laughs> uh, Kai Kroger throws a strike to Trey Kenyon for the first down. Everybody's happy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so then, you know, you get a third and eight. And uh, I, I know why I called this, you know, the, the, the Joiner thing was just like a WTF moment. I mean, it was like, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, I'm, I'm glad nobody, I was actually watching the game at home by myself. Uh, the oldest kid was here. I didn't even know he was here. Uh, I'm glad nobody heard me, what I said <laughs> uh, <laughs> after that joiner play. I mean, that, that was bad. Okay. Uh, and, and so I, I get it, you know, maybe you run the ball third and eight because that, that's two down territory, but a wide play to Christian Bill Smith when he hadn't really done anything like that all year. Uh, maybe there was a better option. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then inexplicably on fourth down, <laughs> uh, I guess they were honoring some athletes and female athletes on the field. And all of a sudden there's a delay in the game <laughs> on fourth down. Georgia sat there and got, got a good look at the whole offense, you know, and, I think Beamer did call a timeout there. I, I don't know. I mean, it just, uh, you know, and that play obviously came up short to Jalen Brooks. Uh, not a great throw by Spencer on that play. So, so those were three moments where the offense uh, had a shot to put points on the board, failed to do it. And, and I think that affects your entire organization. You had a short, shorthanded defense, which did not play well. Let's just be honest. They did not play well. Linebackers, uh, I forgot to mention this last week like an idiot. I've had a bad week. First three weeks of college football season, I've been wrong way, 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 way too much, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I forgot to mention this. Oh, the linebackers, they're going to have to play pretty well given Georgia's style of play. So I mentioned on the Big Spurs Saturday morning, and they did not. They played terribly. I mean, they did not know where the ball was going. They had bad, poor eyes. The Gamecocks tackled a little better. Uh, it, it was kind of a slow bleed early. You know, mm -hmm. they limited the big play. But, you know, and then, you know, you want to see good play calling. Look at Georgia. Um, you know, Georgia runs arguably some of the same concepts South Carolina does on offense. They, they use bunch formations. They use some pro-style stuff. But but see how – when you watch how Georgia attacks, they'll attack you and make you defend the whole width of the field. Kirby Smart said this in his uh, press conference this week, right? We, we make you defend the whole width of the field, and they do. Mm -hmm. They're going this way. They're going that way. They're going this way. Then they're going up the middle. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're attacking. And it keeps the defense off balance. I think Georgia's better on offense this year than they were last year. Uh, just because everybody's kind of on the same page with Stetson Bennett now, the guy at quarterback, yeah. uh, and the way they just keep you off balance. They're not lining up in the eye and running it like they used to, you know. And uh, South Carolina did none of that. 
you look at the plays, pass, 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 run, 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 pass. It's like a, it's like you're calling a scrimmage. We need to work on this now. We need to work on this now. Uh, you know, you can't go to the wet. You got to keep defenses off balance, especially in the SEC. You can't like get them comfortable and do the same thing over and over, and then go switch to something completely different and do that over and over and over. You, you got to mix it up, man. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're not going no huddle or tempo or something like that, where okay, yeah, let's just do the same thing, but do it really, really fast. That mm-hmm. works, but you're not doing it fast. I mean, you do it very slow. So um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know, like I said, if Carolina had, you know, put some points on the board early, made things happen. Do I think it was a four, would it would have been a fourth quarter game? Probably not. I think Georgia's too good. Uh, however, it's not 48 nothing with your stadium empty. Yeah. By the third quarter. And and look, I, I don't blame the fans for leaving at all. Uh, too many times this has happened for a long, long time. Not all in Shane Beamer's tenure here. But uh, the fans continue to show up for big moments and then get let down. And uh, that was a letdown. That's Georgia has pretty much dominated this series for a while, Phil, mm-hmm. and, and blown Carolina out the last three times they've been at Williams-Brice. But that was the worst of them all. That was mm-hmm. the worst last year, at least. At the start, you know, Zeb hit some long passes. They kicked some field goals. They were in the game after the first quarter. They weren't in it this time. It's just a complete domination. Can't move the football. I mean, you know, can't stop them from doing the same. There was no complimentary aspects of it. It just, you know, you knew going into this that you're going to have to give your defense some rest because they're so young, right? I mean, we're having to start all these younger guys, and the mm-hmm. only way to really give them a chance was to move the ball and score some points, and again, we come out flat. Yeah, it was that bad. I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, I, I and, I, and I'll, I'll say this about the defense. Every defensive player on this roster needs to look in the mirror right now because it's a, it's a situation where, you know, I, I don't know how hard they're playing. I think I think I think Georgia and Arkansas have a lot to do with the last two weeks. Yeah. But you know, these guys look like they don't know what's coming. The linebacker play was atrocious. When when Nick Emanware, a freshman, is your best player by a mile on defense, some of these older guys need to look in the mirror. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I don't care what they're rated as recruits. I don't care how old they are. Uh they need to really look in the mirror because uh, a lot of times they're just not doing what it takes to play winning football. There's mental bust. There's assignment bust. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that Clayton White's had his best year as a coordinator. Uh, but when you, when you talk about being down that many people and, and all that, it gets tough, especially against the number one team in the country, but this defense needs to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. they are, they have not stopped, you know, with the exception of the middle of the Georgia state game, they have not stopped anybody consistently all year they're on the field they can't get off on third down carolina's offense can't complete third downs i mean some of it could be you know a result of competition certainly uh you know that's that's tough arkansas is tough georgia's tough uh i know bobby petrino went out there and uh got the the missouri state ahead of arkansas early (laughs) and kind of jumped on them but hey that's what good play calling does for you right um and then Arkansas had to rally and win. They outscored them 38-10 the rest of the way. We'll see how Arkansas does. I still think they're really, really good. And Georgia's been more dominant than anybody else in the country. Uh, ben Briner from our site 
compare Georgia to a death machine heading into the game. And, and I think that's probably pretty accurate. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where it's just not, uh, not good, not good at all. Nana sports chat box, obviously killing it. <laughs> John says, good morning from the shores of Puget sound. Beautiful, beautiful country up there. Mm-hmm. A bit of a black Monday in Gamecock land today, but brighter days are ahead. Craig's head's about to explode. Uh, good morning y'all good day for calling in show uh craig says i don't want to see or hear satterfield uh third nine you hand the ball at the middle third medium you're enjoying the wildcat that's my synopsis of the game that's true it was supposed to be an outside run and maybe he bounced it out because there was no hole there i don't know daddy has says nothing to talk about today craig says same as i felt about must champ at the end Josh said, let's not spend too time, much time on Georgia. Saturday was more than enough for me. That's true. And we're yeah. probably going to talk about the game today. And like Phil's been saying, there's two get-right games coming up. Um, Charlotte <laughs> got their quarterback back and proceeded to go to Atlanta and beat Georgia State <laughs> by a point. Their quarterback's through five touchdowns. So, look, hey, they're coming into the game on a roll with confidence. So mm-hmm. Carolina better be ready. I mean, Charlotte started as worse, probably as bad as anybody. Lost by 17 at home to William and Mary. Blown out by Maryland at home. Blown out by Florida Atlantic in week zero. Uh, but they're coming to Columbia now with confidence. You know, that, that's what those th- – these kids on their team live for stuff like this. Right. VJ says, good morning. We're going to need that winer line open today. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Fowler, good morning, guys. The sun came up today. Can't wait for today's show. Go Cox and Semper Fi. What do we say? That's right. Thank you for your service. Twisted Chicken, good morning, fellas. Rick says, good morning, all. Tackle this Monday like Nick M. and Warre would. He leads the nation in solo tackles, I saw on TBS. Yeah, he does. Yep. Uh, he is the nation's leader in tackles. Like I said, w- <laughs> Why can't the other defensive players match his level of play? I mean, that, that, that's my question. They all need to look there and say, hey, a true freshman has come in here, and not even a guy that enrolled early, and, and he's outplaying all of his teammates on defense. As a Why is the guy the farthest away from the ball at the snap the one with the most tackles, JC? That's bad. <laughs> yeah, well, Jalen Foster led the team in tackles last year, but, uh, yeah, you don't you don't want that. You want, nope. you want your uh, – your linebackers to lead you in tackles. I mean, that's kind of ideal. Uh, Jared says, uh, well, I think most of us sitting here after the game, game three would have expected the record to be one and two. We didn't expect to be decimated with injuries on defense. We'd expect better efforts on offense. Um, yeah, record-wise, we're right where we figured we would be, right? I mean, you know, yeah. reasonable expectations. It's, it's not. It, yeah, that's the way that it. it's happened. The same things that happened last year are happening this year. That That's the problem yeah. is that it's the same story. You know, I mean, I, I think Carolina is better at stopping the run. Hey, shoot, you go out there and lose to Arkansas in a shootout or whatever, and you have a chance late, and then Georgia comes in and beats you pretty good, but you still have signs of life. That's one thing. But, but you know, the, the same stuff. Couldn't get off the field against Arkansas. Couldn't stop the run against Arkansas. Erratic play calling against Arkansas. Very erratic play calling against uh, Georgia. Um, just, you know, there's probably – not a lot of chance that you win those, but but you give yourself no chance when, when the things that have happened have been happening. Uh, and that's got to change because, look, I don't really see a whole lot of greatness left on the schedule. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think Tennessee's good. I think Clemson's good. 
I think Texas A&M had a rebounding win. They've got big issues on offense. You want to talk about scheme and pro-style schemes and all that? Why are the mighty Texas A&M Aggies and mighty $75 million man? Oh, sorry, $90 million man, yeah. Jimbo Fisher struggling. <laughs> Everybody says scheme. I said, well, this week we'll find out if it's scheme or the players. Uh, I think scheme probably wins there. 17 mm-hmm. points against Miami. They won uh, thanks to defense and Miami not being – all that competent on offense. Right. But, uh, you know, you, you got to have a feel. And look, this is South Carolina, too. I mean, Texas A&M struggles on, on, on offense. They got the defensive players and uh, the defensive coordinator, DJ Durkin, to go out and win a 17 to 9 game. You mm-hmm. know, South Carolina right now, they don't have that kind of those kind of guys. Uh, you, you can't out talent people. You know, if, if you're at South Carolina, in most cases, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, especially not Arkansas and Georgia this year. Uh, Kroger and MMRA are two best players, Clint says. Rat just looks so uninterested in even being out there. I, I, I'm i going to defend that a little bit. That's kind of his demeanor, and you want your quarterback to kind of be calm. Uh, I don't think he's just mailing it in. I think he's pressing uh, a little too hard. Mm-hmm. Um. And then VJ says, Kai looked off the linebacker before throwing a dart. Yeah, it was a great, that was a great play. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel says, how long do you put off the inevitable? Man just thought we would have looked better on offense. But yeah, I, you know, look, I, I don't just kind of knowing Beamer, I, I, I doubt you're going to change horses midstream. No. I think you're kind of stuck with it. Um, you know, so the idea is get better. I, I'll say this about this offense. I, I, after kind of looking at it and, and, and reevaluating everything, uh, I think to run this system in, in, in the SEC and college football, you, you got to have two things. You got to have a really good offensive line. Um, it's just they put a lot on those guys. Uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of concepts and all require you to block. Uh, it is complex, uh, you know, but. You know, I, and I don't know that Carolina ever will. As much as I even, I love this offensive line recruiting class this year. Even if all those guys pan out, I'm not sure this is ideal because you're facing best defensive lines in the country week in and week out. I've said that before. Well, okay, so you got to work around it. Well, you need a good play caller, and you need play calling that makes sense, not just every now and then. You know, mm-hmm. you got to set up drives, run plays to set up plays. Uh, I don't know that that's happening. I just don't, I don't know. And I'm not throwing everything at the feet of the OC, you know, Spencer Rattler's interception. That's not on Marcus Satterfield, you know, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's a bad decision on Spencer's part, but you know, I, I, uh, you know, the more I think about it, you know, Georgia runs a lot of the same stuff. Carolina does look how they run it. They're attacking one side of the field, other side of the field, going up the middle, but they keep you off balance with what they do. You know, like I said, South Carolina is just like run, 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 pass, 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 pass. Um, Craig said, said 45-17, but geez. Clint said, I noticed that 2VJ. Uh, Georgia State is struggling. Georgia State looks worse than we thought. Well, I, I, you know, that was a bad loss to Charlotte. Charlotte just came in and upset them. But, heck, man, they almost beat North Carolina and played pretty well against the Gamecocks. We'll see how it plays out. Sean Elliott, uh, if there's one thing about – his tenure at Georgia State, sometimes they do drop games that you go, wow, why did they lose that one? And then they'll go beat somebody really good. So that's uh, that's kind of the MO. It's kind of like Skip Holtz in that in that regard. Still love Sean Elliott, though, mm-hmm. and he'll get it turned around. 
Uh, Clint says Lloyd has to do a better job of breaking ankle tackles. There was room for him to run on multiple occasions. Yeah, and I'll say this about the O line: uh, did they were they, ter- they? I don't think they were terrible Saturday. They opened up some holes. I mean, you know, I don't know that they were good, but they weren't terrible. And you're right. You know, if Marshawn breaks one of those ankle tackles, he, he probably has a huge game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, it's really difficult for me to put a lot on the backs right now uh, just because there's no – there's not a lot of room to run. Is that formationally? Is that you know, offensive line not doing its job? Uh, I don't know. And it's also really hard when you're running the same, you know, run, 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 about the fourth time, everybody's like, well, run's probably coming. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Okay, evening. Run's coming. It's like a, it's like the old old guy saying the storm's blowing in. You know, storm's blowing in. Yeah. Storm's blowing in. Well, <laughs> run's probably coming. You know, <laughs> Tiffany goes. I'm sorry, our offense is off awful, and it's not going to get any better because the OCS no feel for the game at all. He just picks crap off the play sheet. It is kind of a bingo type thing. Bingo. I, I just I was surprised that the joiner package reared its head in the in the first you know scripted drive you know i mean because those first few plays you go in there knowing what you're going to run right i mean most of the time you wrote that in there (laughs) that's what you planned on and not only planned on it but did not plan on breaking your tendency and just let him run it (laughs) yeah you know i mean it's Look, the carry-on keeps the ball in every one of those situations. I don't think he's ever given it. He, he gives – all right, so the, the Jordan Birch play, which I'm not as mad about that play now uh, before I saw the Wildcat. Uh, the Jordan Birch play, you know, if you notice before that play at Tennessee last year, the carry-on keeps it again, and they, they did it under center. He gives it to Lloyd. Lloyd walks in the end zone yeah. in, that, in that situation. Um, he just keeps it, you know, and, and that's fine. I love to carry in Jordan. I'm not blaming him for any of this. No. But like I said, it's a package. It's not a play. And everybody in the stadium knew he was going to keep it. And he got three. He got halfway there. Um, and, and if it was going to be two downs, then then you don't you don't change that. You go two downs. Only you go forward on fourth and three, first drive of the game. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to win anyway. Uh but, you know, that wasn't a two-down situation. And then the other one, I mean, I, it just – it makes no sense to me. I know. Um, <laughs> Craig says, we never run misdirection, and Georgia does all the time. I know. And, you look, they have the athletes. They don't have to run misdirection. Uh, like Ben called it, it's a death machine. I mean, you're like, wow, this guy – you know. <laughs> um, that's how they've evolved. People talk about Nick Saban evolved. Kirby's evolved with that stuff. And, uh, and like I said, they run a lot of the same stuff Carolina does. Did we employ extra pre-snap movement this week? Or was that just me? That rarely happens. I mean, I think they did it a little bit more, but that that stuff, that stuff doesn't. I mean, that that stuff, that stuff needs to happen more often, motion and stuff. I mean, you think about everybody that's been here that's that's called a decent game. They all Spurrier, Mm -hmm. uh, Mangus, uh, B back ran motion. I mean, just one of those things. Yeah. Um Jared says momentum wasn't the only thing to leave the stadium early. I know fans. I'm, I'm not going to say anything about the fans. Spence says Todd Monkett is a different stratosphere from Sat. 
Um, Tiffany goes, seems we didn't practice nearly as physical during spring and early fall camp that we needed to. It's a fine line between teaching tackling and protecting players from injuries. I don't know about that, Tiff, because I know that they do practice. I mean, it's not as daunting as a must champ uh, practice, I guess, but it's, it's not as like Spurriers. It's one of those things. Um, so that's kind of the thing there. Uh, Tiffany's complaining. If you want to honor title nine, do it before the game or at halftime. I know that was, that was weird. Yeah, that was, that odd. was weird. Spencer says Todd mock is so much better. Agreed. Chris says, how long will Shane stick with sat? Is he really going to give him the entire year? Pretty sure. I, you know, uh, Ryan goes, it's not so much about the play design of the offense. It's the rhythm and flow. Bingo. That's play calling. Yep. Um, there isn't one. There's no rhyme or reason to what we're trying to do offensively. He can't fly the plane. Bingo. You know, so uh, Saunders says, I hadn't felt that dejected since 2014 A&M. Yeah, it was a blowout at home. Big game. James says, UGA dominated the game. Wasn't even close. Total lack of imagination on offense. Daddy says, a lot of this is the same thing. Yeah. DJ says players need to look in the mirror. We need accountability and leadership on the field. The coaches don't play the game. I agree there on defense. Uh, I do think there's some people on offense that probably need to play better. Spencer Rattler, beginning beginning with him. But it's just hard. I mean, you know, what? I don't know what we expect them to do. You know, so – and Spence, I'm not getting into this whole clapper thing, okay? I understand you're upset, and that's fine. But people that uh, sit here and, like, bash Shane Beamer for being positive, look – I understand your frustration because you'd kind of like him to say, all right, things got to get better. We need some changes around here because, you know, Steve Spurrier said that. That was pretty honest. Well, he's not Steve Spurrier. Nobody is. Um, and he's not going to change. He's going to be positive. And, and I don't have a problem with that um, because one of the things I think to be a successful head coach, you need to be consistent uh, and, and all that with, with kind of how you approach things. Um uh, and he ain't going to change. So we can, everybody can complain and why, you know, all that. But, uh, you know, he ain't going to change. So there's nothing you can, it's one of those things uh, you're, you're trying to, you know, change the color of the moon. <laughs> if the moon was made of green cheese, would you eat it? Well, I guess the moon changes colors. How about the sky? You're about to, you're trying to change the color of the color with the cloud. Uh, Tiffany, it's too early to call any first-year player a bust. Uh, he's still young, by the way. Dawkins is. Uh, there's just a lot of griping, attack, people attacking players. Uh, Colin says, this is interesting, pro-style sucks. Best offenses mm -hmm. in the NFL run spread, RPS, et cetera. Rams are the only team with pro-style success, and they have a guy named Cooper Cup carrying them. They also have the offensive line to get it done, and – you know, their personnel department has looked at Sean McVay's offense and gone, okay, here's what we need. You know, they don't sign a wide receiver that can't block, by the way, the Rams. They put an emphasis on it. If you cannot block or you're not a good blocker, you're not playing wide receiver for the Rams. They also have Matt Stafford out there, you know, yeah. who's a, vet, a, a, a veteran with a big arm and lots of talent. And Sean McVay's dialing them up, game in and game out. So that's – that's the, the Rams talk bothered me over the offseason. I probably – understated it because I was like, surely they're not trying to, to do this. I mean, you know, but yeah. So that's the deal. Tiffany's is pro style will never work at Carolina. I know you have to adapt it uh, to what you've got. You got to look at your program 
and say, what can the kids that we recruit to this program most years execute flawlessly? And what will give us an advantage on game day? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, like I said, look at Texas A&M in a negative way, scheme-wise. All right, look at Tennessee on the other end of the spectrum and what that scheme has done for them. Sure, they were 7-6 and six last year, but every, anybody that did not have a great defense, they lit up. You know, lit them up. I don't I don't think this, you know, and look, Kentucky wins football games now by by running pro style stuff and playing good defense, playing they went ugly, okay? I think that's fine for Kentucky, but number one, I don't think anybody should be shooting to be Kentucky. You know, I, I great, I love the job they've done up there, but but you know, South Carolina can recruit better players in Kentucky. They're in a better area for recruiting, also. Mm-hmm. You're not going to – while Kentucky's offensive line is probably not as good as it has been, they can go into Ohio and recruit offensive linemen, and, and then they go find players. But, I, I you know, that that's kind of a – I mean, that's what Kentucky does, okay? The, the, what, what they're thinking about doing, Carolina, that's kind of what Kentucky does. I, I, I think South Carolina needs to be different than, than that. Uh, I just don't – I don't believe that that should be the goal. Uh, Bryce says, terrified Shane is going to use the next two games against Charlotte and SC State to justify keeping us out for the rest of the season, only to get boat raced in Lexington in three weeks, and the cycle will continue. I don't, you know, I, I don't think regardless of what happens, man, Bryce, that anything is going to change. Hmm. So, you know, it's uh, – he's just not the type – Shane Beamer's just not the type of guy to, to make a change midseason. Yeah. I don't think, you know. Um. Drew says, one positive to all this, I don't think recruits are coming and not coming here because of Satterfield. If Beamer can keep getting talent on campus, the new OC should have plenty to work with. Satterfield's done a good job recruiting quarterbacks, and, and, I, and I think, okay, it, this is kind of what's frustrating to me, and then we got to get to a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand Spencer calling him the clapper, but that's reserved for Bryce Drew. If Shane Beamer goes winless in the SEC this year like Bryce Drew did, we can call him the clapper, okay? Deal? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of like must champ in reverse in a lot of ways. And, and you see that when you have great talent, the, the defense Georgia runs is fine. But, but you can't get Georgia and Alabama talent on defense, right? You know, it's South Carolina all the time. You, you got to have a defense that sort of works. And my goodness, man, like, you know, uh, that last year, the secondary full of NFL players was just confused. And that's because it, there's a lot of checks in it. A lot. It's very complicated, very complex, a very complex defense. That's probably why Muschamp didn't have such a great run of it on defense. That and, you know, T-Rob was calling it most of the time. Uh, no, no offense to him, just probably wasn't, you know, the best guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, so, so, but hey, look, lots of guys that came through the program under Will Muschamp when they got to the NFL on defense, they were ready to roll. And I said at the time, this is not an NFL training development facility. This is a college football program. Right. Uh, and so I think on the other end of it, you know, Satterfield sells kids and, and does a good job of it. Only come here and learn how to play quarterback in the NFL and you'll be ready for the league. Well, what happens on game day? That's my question. You know, <laughs> I mean, what, 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 when is, you know, <laughs> Well, what happens then? You know, and you look back to last year, and I'll talk about last year for a second. South Carolina was bad on offense 
most games, uh, except for the games where they were able to just line up and run the football. I mean, against Florida, they lined up and ran it. Against Auburn, which was probably the most impressive game, because Auburn's defense was really good. Uh, you know, they line up and ran it. Zaquandre White got, got it, got the run game going. So, you know, that was North Carolina, obviously. I mean, I know there was some razzle dazzle and the rotating of quarterbacks and all that was great. But bottom line, for probably about the second quarter on in that game, they could not stop Kevin Harris <laughs> or Juju McDowell or DeCarry and Joyner from running the ball. I mean, it just so, yeah. I mean, it, you know, that's the key. And right now, South Carolina's averaging what? I guess they, they scraped 92 rushing yards together yeah. Saturday. That's a season high, Phil. They didn't get over 100, though, the poll question. Nope. Still haven't busted so the, 100. No. The nose have it, but, uh, you know, worst, worst running offense in the country. So, anyway, uh, going to be right back. More Nana Sports chat box. Going to get into the mailbag a little bit. Uh, and other stuff. Keith Alsep is coming by at noon. And, uh, you guys know he's going to be pretty honest and brutally honest. A lot of people are looking forward to getting Keith's reaction to the game. Yep. <laughs> uh, so looking forward to talking to him at the top of the hour right here on Inside the Gamecocks of the Show. We will be back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Thank you, Jaheim. Welcome back, everybody. First hour of the show brought to you by Sid- Cindy Searfoss Realty, Colwell Banker Kane. Uh, give her a call, 864-414-5271 for all your uh, upstate residential real estate needs. And, of course, the show is brought to you by Manscaped. Don't forget, Manscaped, you get 20% off. And free shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. All right, yeah, I want to address this. Uh, Nictarios Capelos. Mm. Probably the best name in the chat box. I can't even give him a nickname. It's so pimp. Uh, anyway. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Now, now I'm going to disagree with him there. I like your dog, though. This is year two of a major rebuild. The man was handed a dumpster fire. He lost to the best damn team in the game, not Vandy. Relax. Um, I'm going to disagree. I, I, you know, Shane Beamer took over a better roster than Will Muschamp did. Uh, he took over a roster that had more players and veterans, uh, maybe not as many difference makers, proven difference makers. Uh, cause Spurrier got Jonathan Joseph, Coe Simpson, Sidney Rice, Savell Newton, all those guys. Uh, but then Steve Spurrier did a little deeper. Uh, and he certainly took a program with better human being <laughs> uh, and not saying that any of those guys that played under Holtz uh, and Spurrier in those early years were not good human beings. That, uh, but Spurrier did. I mean, Holtz and Spurrier both had to kick people off the team. Um, probably a better culture situation than, than, than Holtz did, uh, you know, and every one of them in their second year put a better product on the field. Will Muschamp went one nine games. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, Muschamp is a better coach than Beamer. I mean, there's a reason there was a coaching change, but you know, that four and eight in 2019, 
was was because they lost their quarterback. They were starting a freshman. Uh, and then by the end, it was just over, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and then the two and eight in 2020 was very misleading. I mean, that's an all SEC schedule. Um, so if you add your normal three cupcakes, that's that's probably a four or five win team. So it wasn't that bad, uh, wins and losses wise. Um, you, you have a five star quarterback. You have two five star defensive linemen. Uh, you, you even start even with the injuries. You, you got four stars uh, over there on the D line. Uh, Gilbert Edmonds not, but he's a pretty good player. You, you got a linebacking core that's 47 combined years old that's played a lot of ball. Uh, you know, Cam Smith, they probably missed him a little bit just from a individual playmaker. You got a freshman All-American safety. I mean, you, you know, it, it's not the, the roster. I could see it if the roster, like when Muschamp took over, right, one of the outgoing staff members told me there's probably 22 guys on this roster that have any business playing in the SEC at all. He's like, not just starting, but playing. Okay. Now, there were some guys that the new staff got a lot out of, like Hayden Hurst. They, they moved him to tight end, developed him as a tight end. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel was there. He hadn't played a whole lot, right? Brian Edwards was a freshman, you know, that the new staff brought in. You look at that offense the first year, the best players were Jake Bentley, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Hayden Hurst, and um, and uh, a little bit of Shy Smith. Well, no, Shy wasn't there yet. Uh, Hayden Hurst and uh, Rico Dowdle mm-hmm. and AJ Turner a little bit, but uh, no, how many of those guys were inherited? None. Um, and so yeah, you know that that's I, I don't I don't know that this is a result of being a massive rebuild. I'll say this to your point, Nectarios. I love that name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this to your point. I mean, you know, it is a rebuild and they did lose to a really good team. And I don't think they win uh, even if some good things happen early. I think they stay in it till maybe halftime and then Georgia takes over. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just – I think anytime – there's missed opportunity and anytime your team does not play its very best. Uh, and then there's tangible reasons you can point to within the course of a game uh, as to why things didn't go well. Um, you know, I, I think that that means, you know, you should be disappointed because, you know, I hate to bring up Steve Spurrier, <laughs> but, uh, and then, uh, I'm going to probably stop that because it, you know, it's not fair to compare everything around here to him, but that, I guess that's what happens when you have a guy that won 86 games and led you to success and a hall of famer and all that. I guess it happens in every program. South Carolina just hasn't had that type of guy before now. Uh, but, but one of the things he did as a head coach that was great was play your best. Never talked about winning, relax, just go play your best. That's all that all you need to do is play your best. And that was kind of a staple of him as a head coach at Florida and South Carolina. Uh, go play your best game. And, uh, you know, South Carolina has not played its best through 25% of this season. You know, you can handle a loss, but can you handle not playing your best? Yeah. Know. You know, Georgia had a lot to do with it. But, you know, missed opportunities, bad calls, uh, timely, you know, interceptions, you know, that kind of thing. Um. So there we go. People are like, um, you know, they're agreeing. Yeah. Uh, are we at the start of the season and what or what he walked in the door with? 
Uh, what he walked in the door with, you know, um, it wasn't a function of what was left over that Luke Doty broke his foot last year. Um, it wasn't a function of, you know, what he inherited that the offensive line all of a sudden is handed this new scheme, you know, that they have to go out and do after they've done pretty well to that point. Um, that wasn't on him or that, that that's not, that has nothing to do with what he inherited. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that there didn't need to be a change. Obviously, uh, I was on board with change after 2019 simply because I knew you, I, I knew this when you hire Will Muschamp and he didn't do well at Florida, you know, you don't have like seven years to get it back going. You know, you, you got to keep making progress, keep winning. Uh, even as, as awful as 2018 ended, you know, you come back, you beat North Carolina, Jake doesn't get hurt. You know, you win seven, eight games that year. That's that that's fine, but but that four and eight still stands out. So um, you know, or that four and eight doesn't happen at that point. So so then if you go all SEC and let's say you win two, three, four games uh against an all SEC schedule, pandemic here, you still go to a bowl, you know, maybe but 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 that just couldn't happen. You know, I, I think there's going to be a lot more patience with Beamer, but um, you know, I obviously the, the, there's issues on, on offense, so uh, that's that's the deal there. Um, Nikara says you're talking about the improvements he has made, man, not what he was handed. Uh, what are you talking about? Um, he inherited most of the players on this roster. You know, I, I think he has improved it with getting some guys from the portal and recruiting. Hmm. That's the truth. But he was handed a better roster than Will Muschamp was. So there you go. I don't think that's disputable. Uh, anyway, so uh, Neal, how do we decide to say it? Nile. Nile, like the river. Told you it w- told you it would be one you turn off at the half and enjoy the rest of the day. It was exactly what I did. Completely wasting serious talent on offense. Yeah, you know, and, and here's the thing, too, interesting about Georgia. They took Juice Wells out of the game. Uh, he didn't do much, right? And mm-hmm. rightfully so. So, um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, the, the name, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, so, so, you know, they took him out. So, what, what does that kind of tell you? There should be other people open. I would think juice is open. Maybe somebody else is. I don't know. I don't know. It just it seemed like he wasn't making reads and you know, or picking the wrong ones, forcing the ball where he like had pre-planned to throw it. I think the you know, when they hit Jaheim on the 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 one that landed in the first drive, that was a great play. But then you try to go back to it again in the second half and they're all over it because they know that's what you're trying to do, and you try mm-hmm. to force it into double coverage and throw a pick. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it predictable. Yeah. So more here. I still can't comprehend why you and Beamer thought they were okay at linebacker going into the season. Well, it's because Muhammad Kaba was playing pretty well. Uh, and then you think Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green, you know, mm-hmm. as much ball as they've played, we've seen both of them play pretty well. I mean, you know, I, and then you think Debo Williams probably steps up a little bit. You got Stone Blanton. I mean, it's okay. I mean, you know, you also think the defensive line's probably on the interior, and they did miss Boogie Huntley, but they're going to play a little better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't 
I don't regret saying that, you know, I, I think that was fine. No, I think yeah, we were looking at an improvement at that position for sure. I mean, nobody was going to go out there and say they were going to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> world beaters, but they were definitely looking better through two games until Mo got hurt. Yeah. Will said maybe a better roster, but not a better culture. Well, I agree. There was some healing that needed to be done in the locker room, but man, it's year two. It's year two. Now we want to we want to argue and say that the guys that were left over aren't used to winning or don't know how to we'll, we'll go perform in the game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you could you could I, I think you could say that, but you know, I think it's the you know Will Muschamp hadn't been the coach here in a long time. Uh, you know, preach culture over and over again. I, I think. I think they've done a good job of it. They have the right people in place to do it. You know, I, I don't I don't know that culture is the issue right now. Um, Justin goes, how do you balance the love and family themes in the culture with aggression and toughness? It has to be difficult. Other schools do it just fine. Dabo Sweeney does it at Clemson. I mean, you know, you know Shane Beamer is not the only – you know, coach that preaches love and family and, and all that good stuff. Um, you know, I think it's a good plan. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with the culture and, you know, Beamer being positive and emphasizing it. I mean, I, I don't care. I know it gets frustrating for fans when the team doesn't play well, you yeah. know, because, you know, fans are sort of more bottom line. But, you know, I, I think that that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's part of it, you know, that's part of it. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, and that's a good part of it. You know, it's kind of like special teams, <laughs> special teams are doing well right now. Uh, you know, with the exception of some missed extra points, right. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I mean, other than that, they're, they're, they're doing well, but, uh, you know, you're not gonna sit there and bash the special teams because the offense and defense aren't playing well. Same thing with the culture of the program and all that. It all, it all feeds in. Y'all have to work together. You got to play complimentary football. You know, defense is going to have a bad day going in with as shorthanded as they were. That's not an excuse for how some people play, mm-hmm. but you got to know you got to score. Yeah. You got to give them some help. And then you're not, you know, <laughs> you're not getting there running the play that you ran seven, eight times last year and it never worked. It's still not working. On the first round of the game. Uh, Joseph says, I feel like the offensive line is being tasked with something that doesn't align with their skill set. Interesting point. It's like asking Shaq to be a perimeter player and Steph Curry to play the post. Makes no sense. I think you need to have great offensive linemen to do what they're trying to do. Um, And you need to call it like Georgia calls it. You know, keep guys off balance. They're doing neither one. Mm-mm. Neither one. Carolina Titan, what happened to Xavier Leggett? They couldn't stop talking about him in the spring, but he's been non-existent through three games. I don't know. He had a couple of catches. I was glad to see him get on get on track a little bit. But, yeah, he hadn't been – I mean, a lot of guys have disappeared. I'm, I'm, I'm as shocked as anybody. Juice Wells didn't even get, like, one reception. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what happened? What? Yeah, I mean, shocked. I mean, I, I understand Georgia's probably sitting there watching the Arkansas film going, we've got to account for number three, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he did get targeted, but, I mean, yeah, just no just connections. No connections. Um, Gamecock fan, JC, did we lose any ground with Harvard? No, nah, my, my understanding is no. 
Uh, can I guarantee they're going to get Harbor? No, it's recruiting. He's a five-star. He's got lots of options. But his visit, I mean, I talked to a contact Saturday night, you know, was not all that concerned, said, well, as bad as it was today, things have gone surprisingly well with recruiting. Recruits all think that, hey, when I get there, it's going to be better. Yeah, we can make you know, this better. Yeah, You're looking at atmosphere, comfort level, girls, <laughs> whatever you want to talk about <laughs> uh, on their visit. You know, I mean, it's it's not – they're not fans. They're not sitting there cheering every player. Um, and Harbor's got a good – I mean, his, his comments after the visit were good and positive. And, uh, and Cox are right there with Nick. I mean, the, the whole university has gotten in on this one. And so I, I think I, – I think that – I'll say this, even if they don't get him, they've given him their best shot. And if he decides to go elsewhere, it's not because they lost 48 to seven. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the result of the game. Yeah. Uh, Josh says I'm still 100% behind Beamer, but Sad has to go. No flow, no creativity, doesn't know how to use personnel. I can't argue with that right now through 16 games. That's not, yeah, looks looks like that statement's fairly correct. <laughs> and like I said, I'm going to point out, I mean, look, the bowl game was great. 530 yards, how do you argue with that? But, guys, think about the bowl and what ha- how that game unfolded. You know, yeah, Carolina's up 18 nothing. Everything looks great. But uh, in, in the second half, North Carolina, did, well, they didn't want anything to do with getting Kevin Harris on the ground. And Carolina, I mean, in that game, it's kind of just like Florida. They line, Carolina just lined up and ran it. You know, there, there was really no uh, other than managing the rotating quarterbacks and calling some good pass plays early. Th- there was no, like, super secret deal there. Carolina just lined. I mean, when you have 310 rushing yards and Harris has 182, you know, you're, you're lining in 31 carries, you know. <laughs> Joyner had 10. I think uh, Juju had five in that game for 52. I mean, they're not stopping you. And, and if you look at the second half of that game, Carolina just ran, 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 you know, which is fine. Uh, is there any quarterback in the country that would make this offense tick? I think the answer is no, and that's the problem. Last year it was blamed on quarterback depth. That's clearly not the issue. I never really bought that last year, to be honest. Uh, I, I get it. Okay, let's give it a shot. You played two, you know, and everybody says they played four different quarterbacks. They really, they played Joyner at the end in hindsight. Maybe they should have early, but it, it also wasn't like every other game there was a new starter, guys. I mean, Luke Doty lasted from, you know, he got put in the Georgia game when Zeb got hurt. He lasted through the Vandy game. Zeb comes back, plays against AM, gets hurt again. Uh, Jason Brown takes over. Jason Brown started Florida. Missouri, Auburn, Clemson, that's four straight games, you know, and then save the worst for last, right, against Clemson. Dan <laughs> uh, says it's not a recent issue here, but why has it been so difficult to recruit and sign above-average linebackers? I just don't get it. I think they have above-average linebackers, Jan. I, I, I think Stone Blanton is going to be really good. Don't – you know, whatever he did on Saturday, I don't think he counted against him. No. Then you got Grayson uh, Howard lined up for next year. Yeah. Grayson Bub Howard coming yeah. in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Donovan Westmoreland's going to be a good player. I still think Debo Williams is going to be a good player. Um, so I think it's common. I just think Green and Johnson played awful on Saturday. And I'll say this Georgia had a lot to do with that. You know, Georgia, that that's kind of the idea of their whole offense. Keep the linebackers' heads on swivels. And they did it. 
Uh, Jared says, was Juice MIA a result of Georgia's scheme or Satterfield's inability to dial up ball plays? Well, I, I think Georgia did a good job against him. But like I said, if, if you're shutting one guy, I mean, did they shut him down with one guy? I don't know. <laughs> Saunders says, I keep hearing people liken the Beamer Satterfield situation to Dabo and Napier of 2010. Personally, I think it's a bad comparison, but I want to understand why people bring it up. What do y'all think? Uh, other than I think Dabo Sweetie realized uh, he needed new coordinators and he went out and got them. And mm. if you're a head coach like Dabo or like Shane Beamer and you're a CEO head coach, you have to have great coordinators. You can't just have good coordinators either. I think you have to have elite coordinators uh, at South Carolina. Um, and that way, you know, you're never blaming the game plan for things. You're never blaming play calling for things. It's either, you know, they're just better than you yeah, or they're not, you know, and you're not sitting there going, man. And, and, and look, I want to be clear. I am not blaming play calling for them losing Saturday at all. Cause I think you play that game 10 times. The results probably are similar, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it's missed opportunity. I felt that way last year. I was like, yeah, okay. This is, this team's got issues with injuries and issues here, but you're not maximizing. You score 23 points against Troy when you desperately need a breakout high score and successful day on offense. You score 23 points. That's not maximizing. You almost lose to Vanderbilt. That's not maximizing. You go on the road against a bad Missouri team and you have 250 yards of total offense. That's not maximizing. Okay. You know, so that's just, that's just bad. I mean, you know, and, and, and that, that's the problem. You know, I think I'm in the play your best category, right? Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to go out there and play your best. And as obviously there was failures in, on everybody, you know, players, coaches, I mean, top to bottom Saturday was just a, a complete and a dismal disaster. Yeah. <laughs> JC always talks about how nobody played defense in 2020, Jordan says. Uh, given that, can't we throw out the run game from that season as an aberration? People bring it up to defend the O-line, but I don't think it's relevant. Well, let's think about 2019. Gamecocks lined up and ran all over Kentucky. Still year. able to run the ball. Right? Up and then ran it against some other, I think Florida, they had what, 200 and Tavian Feaster went off that game. Mm-hmm. We'll run the ball and block then. I thought I didn't think Ryan Holinsky was under duress like Spencer Rattler most of that year. You want to go to 2021? Yeah, they've been up and down, but Florida, North Carolina, they got hat on hat and blocked. Uh, I think, I, I, and look, I, like I said about the line, you know, I, I thought that they played, I, I wouldn't say good, I'd probably say bad, but I wouldn't say terrible on Saturday. Wouldn't say terrible. Well, I wouldn't say terrible. All right, we've talked. Thank you, chat boxers, for getting in. Kind of a somber day today. But looking yeah. forward to seeing what Keith has to say, and we'll be right back with Keith Allsep from the Lot on the Gamecast podcast after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you 
with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fees low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, hey folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give them a call for all your commercial real estate needs. 
presenting sponsor for the show, 20% off at manscaped.com with code Big Spur as well as free shipping. And we are joined on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than Keith Alsup, who I'm sure has some very uh, creative words to describe what we saw on Saturday. Man, Keith, I, I, I'm worried you're not going to be able to live up to the build up here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, since, since Saturday, can't wait to hear Keith. <laughs> So uh, I don't know. So hey, hey, put this thing up. Uh, Daddy O says, "Burn it down, Keith. <laughs> Burn it down. Burn it down." <laughs> well, I mean, look. Uh, certainly, hats off to Georgia and Kirby Smart. And I think this thing turned the day that Ray Tanner was in Kirby Smart's home with a pen and a contract in hand. And Georgia fired Mark Richt and called Kirby Smart and offered him the job while Ray Tanner was in his house. Uh, Georgia, JC, you and I had many conversations in the offseason about the massive losses, particularly on defense. And quite frankly, they look just as good. And quite and also, I think Stetson Bennett is much better. Uh, he looks like a completely different player from a confidence standpoint, from a command of the offense. This is his team. Uh, and, you know, with the defense having five starters out, this was kind of like the varsity against the JV. And uh, it was really over before it ever got started. But certainly, you know, and – and JC, you and I texted a good bit over the weekend, and I've thought about it. And I can't really fault Shane Beamer for taking the football on the opening drive. And here's why: you have five starters out on defense. Georgia, you know, has been unstoppable on offense. You got Spencer Rattler. You got the SEC's leading receiver in Juice Wells coming into the game. Marshawn Lloyd has been playing great. You do have Jaheim Bell, whose, you know, number is never called. And you got this guy named Spencer Rattler, who's supposed to be a lot better than what you played with last year. And so why not take the ball? But yeah. On, on the first third down of the game, why do you take that five-star quarterback out? And the Kieran Joyner, who has not played all year, particularly not at quarterback. And even though he is an offensive player and he did start the bowl game, to me that was almost as egregious as putting Jordan Birch in the game on offense at Tennessee on the goal line, okay, to throw the pass in the end zone. My reaction was similar to that play last year. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, look, I have a lot of respect for Todd Blackledge, and he said, look, this is why you went and got Spencer Rattler was for third down on the opening drive of the game against Georgia in a full stadium at Williams-Brice uh, in a great environment. And I just thought it was downhill from there. I mean, you later you do hit the long play to Jaheim Bell, and then guess what? He never touches the ball again. And, oh, Juice Wells, zero targets, zero receptions, zero yards and 
I just, it, it all goes back to the thing that was looming in the back of our minds, JC. Oh my God, what if Satterfield really can't call it? And look, maybe there are going to be some growing pains through, you know, the early part of the season. And to me, uh, you've got two weeks to get it straight before you go to Kentucky and then uh, you got open date and then you got Texas A&M and then you got Missouri. And this is going to be the biggest stretch for Marcus Satterfield and this offense, because quite frankly, if they don't show significant improvement, he has to go. Okay. He has to go. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't know if you're going to, do like the Arizona State Chancellor did on Saturday night and meet Herm Edwards under the goalpost and fire him, or whether it's going to be like the Nebraska interim coach firing the defensive coordinator uh, after Oklahoma's game. But you've got too much momentum in recruiting. The fan base is at a fever pitch, and they're disappointed because you are not living up to expectations. And quite frankly, the biggest expectation, I pulled it back up, this quote from Shane Beamer when talking about Arkansas and how physical they were. He said, but you know what? We have a heck of a physical SEC football team ourselves. Well, Coach, I beg to differ because if you do, nobody has seen it yet because Georgia State pushed your ass around for four quarters. Arkansas dismantled you and so did Georgia even the reserves the second and third team players overwhelmed you on both lines of scrimmage and Spencer Rattler it was running for his life all day long on Saturday and the play caller did nothing to help him out there were no max protections there were no boots or waggles there were no misdirection plays to get Georgia's defense going one way and roll Rattler out the other there was nothing to try to give him a clean pocket there's no imagination there's no creativity and it's just a sheet with a bunch of plays on it there's no rhyme or reason to any of it yeah. talking with keith also from blot on the game cost podcast i agree I, I, you know i i think that the kickoff thing it's that's always a judgment call and you know to begin with I think I was like, why not put the defense out there? That way your crowd's going crazy. You know, Georgia, they haven't been on the road. Maybe they make a mistake or something. But you're actually right, Keith. I mean, you know, I, I think that could have – that was the least really of my concerns there. Uh, and and so you got a good point there. But, yeah, I mean, look, that that, that Dakari and Joyner play just um, – it didn't work all year last year. You know, there wasn't one time – that they That's did that. Exactly right. And yeah. uh Joiner has a package, not a play, right? Uh and you know over the, over the summer if you're if you're scouting South Carolina, you're looking at it and you know the bowl game aside because that was that was a package, <laughs> right? Or a lot of plays. Uh when he comes in, you know he's going to keep it. He keeps it every single time. Um, that's not that hard to stop. I thought he did good to get 3 yards in that situation, but it's not it's not third and 2, it's third and 6. And, and and you're moving the ball. You're moving the ball. I mean, Lloyd had a pretty decent hole when he went for four yards there. So I, I you know, I I don't get it. And then you sort of look at it and, and you look at the individual drives, Keith, and see what you think about this. 
pass, 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 pass. Okay. Next time, run, run, pass, pass, uh, fake punt, run, 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 pass. Uh, you know, if you look at Georgia, they may run it or throw short passes over and over again, but you're right. And look, some of the concepts they have in their offense are the same thing Carolina's got, uh, but they make you defend the whole width of the field. And, and, and there's really none of that at South Carolina right now. Uh, and there hasn't been. There's no like, okay, you're going to try to keep uh, a very talented defense off balance. You know, South Carolina's defensive kids had no idea where the ball was going the whole day. Um, and that's a lot of that's play calling, you know, and a lot of that's the way Todd Mockin uh, draws it up. And then, you know, hey, here's another example of good play calling for those out there that, uh, you know, want another example. B.J. Gibson comes in the game because uh, it was either Reed or Evan Warray gets shaken up, and he immediately goes right down the middle of the field to Bowers, 70-something yard touchdown. Pretty much was the ball game right there. So, you know, I, I thought, you know, if you want an example of how this should look from a play-calling standpoint, look there. But you can't call a game like a scrimmage and go, okay, we're going to work on run now for five straight plays and then pass for five straight plays and, and things like that. I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, so JC, it's seven to nothing, and you hit the shot right up the left sideline on Georgia's sideline to Jaheim Bell. You get inside the 30 yard line, and you don't run the ball, even attempt a run play at all. If you say you got run calls and you know you got to bust some runs, when you start getting down there and you're going quick, where's the run play? Like I said, there's just no balance to any drive. There's no rhyme or reason to any of it. And, you know, I know Shane is going, you know, kind of like uh, Tammy Wynette. She's going to stand by her man. Uh <laughs> No millennial will understand that reference, but, uh, you know, he still completely defends the guy and talks about, I understand the why. Well, I thought a lot of the words spoken after the game and last night were quite frankly disingenuous. And I think the honeymoon is over. And here's why, JC. Expectations. Okay. Not only did you, yes, you got lucky. You walked it off against East Carolina when you could have lost that game. You, for whatever reason, were able to go the length of the field in the final minute and a half against Vanderbilt because, for whatever reason, Clark Lee, a brilliant defensive mind, decided to drop eight against a quarterback that you or I could probably keep up with for the first 20 or 25 yards in a 40. Uh, and then you got the Florida quitters, and then you got, you know, the Auburn dumpster fire. <laughs> and you got the six wins. Then you surprise everybody, and you steamroll North Carolina. I mean, steamroll. And you win the offseason. You're in a couple of way too early top 25s. You get Rattler. You get Stogner on the Monday before signing day. Then you get Stone Blanton. And you're just 
continue to pick up momentum and then you get Juice Wells and all these guys and they all come in mid-year. And there's a lot of expectations and you're not meeting them. I mean, you've turned the ball over eight times in three games you're, and you've only gotten one turnover in three games. You're 27% on third down while your opponents are 45% on third down. And it's because you're getting pushed around up front. And Jimmy Lindsay has no excuse. I'm sorry. There's no excuse. And I've heard it from too many people I trust. When Brad Lawing goes to practice and is willing to go on record on local radio in Columbia, when Ellis Johnson does the same and says they don't practice tough and they're not physical enough, and we all know the SEC is a line of scrimmage league. You're not going to show improvement until you get better up front and until you start striking your opponents instead of absorbing hits and being shoved back on the line of scrimmage. And that continues to be an issue. I, I think the D-line especially. I mean, that, you know, I, I understand Boogie was out. And, and Boogie's playing well and, and a good player, but they shouldn't. It shouldn't be like that. And the linebackers didn't know where the ball was the whole day, and they didn't tackle well. They didn't play physical. Just like we said all week last week, they there was not. I mean, there was effort, you know, but I, I don't. I don't see the physicality in. You know, this run defense continues to get steamrolled time and time again. The stats weren't ugly, but you know. You, you, if, if they're running plays close to the line of scrimmage, you know, and your defense can't get there uh, or can't tackle them, uh, that's that's completely different. And and those defensive linemen should be playing better, all of them, every one of them. Every the best key. I said this earlier. The best defensive player through three games right now is Nick Evanwari, a true freshman. So no so if if you're on that side of the ball, don't you maybe need to look in the mirror and say, hey, a true freshman is outplaying everybody on this side of the ball. I mean, I know I would bring it up if I was coaching. Uh, and I would be ripping some people's behinds. I mean, there's there's no excuse. I mean, in the coaches' meeting, you may be saying one thing publicly, but behind the scenes, there better be some tougher talk going on because you've got two weeks and then – you get Kentucky on the road, and as we all know, if that team goes up there and falls behind 21-3 to against Kentucky and gets beat, J.C., I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, at some point, you have to hope they put it all together. Um. But I just don't know. And, I mean, look, I can tell you this from years of coaching and for, you know, 30 years of knowing some of the best coaches in the country that you get injured a bunch in games when you don't practice full speed during the week. And South Carolina has been getting a bunch of guys injured in games and I know at least two brilliant coaches that I know that have been to practice enough to know that 
they're getting hurt in games because they are not physical enough in practice. And, hey, Coach Beamer, if you hear this and you want to refute it, you're happy to come on my show and we can talk about it. But, uh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding through three games. South Carolina is not a physical, tough, hard-nosed SEC football team. Well, they, they should they should be. I mean, that's, you know, when is South Carolina, since they joined this league in 1992, uh, ever won when they haven't been hard-nosed? Never. Never. <laughs> in fact, it goes the opposite direction, and you end up uh, – Looking like he did on Saturday, uh, or, or, or that that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, look, and like I said, you, you play that game Saturday ten times. Uh, I think it's somewhere between a three touchdown game and, and what we saw, because I think Georgia was that good. You just got to give them credit for that. Absolutely. Uh, but unlike the Arkansas game, which I thought was a matchup from hell, you know, for the Gamecock defense, and and then you know, same erratic stuff on offense. You know, you couldn't afford. You couldn't afford it, and they go backward, and backward. You know, uh, with it, and I think a lot of times, Keith, in football, early on, if you're in a game where you're a significant underdog and you have your chances, and you blow it, just the minimum of both sides of the ball. That defense is going to get gas Saturday. South Carolina's defense is going to get the gas Saturday, regardless. Um, but there's no complimentary football being played right now. I mean, it just. Uh, it's just like, oh, well, well, we offense screwed the pooch again. Let's get out here. I mean, so for a defensive player, I mean, I, I think that it does get disheartening uh, after a while when you're behind all that much. That said, too, uh, I don't know that the defense is – I mean, they, it's not like they go out there at the beginning and get stops and then, then wear down. I mean, they're giving up long death march drives. I mean, long drives, dude. <laughs> uh, I mean, great. They limited the big plays on Saturday in the first half. Super. Well, then what happened to the second? You know, big plays. Um, and so I, I, I think that side of the ball needs a, an awakening as well. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously uh, I'm no fan of the offense they're trying to run. I've heard it from too many people that know football. Uh, that they don't know what the heck they're, they, they think they're, I mean, the, you know, it, it's, it's not just my JC Sherbert's opinion out here. I get it, but the defense should be better uh, and should at least be more competitive uh, in early game situations. I think it was really a big hit to lose Mo Caba. I think eventually, and this is just me thinking out loud. I have no uh, evidence to back this up. I think eventually they wanted to bring Sherrod Green along slowly and then eventually play him and Mo Kaba together. Because I'm sorry, they can talk about Brad Johnson all they want to, and he's a fine young man. Uh, and he's an athletic guy, but he is a DPR. He is a down pass rusher. He is not a guy that can play in space. And he's not improved one bit, and he was awful last year. And he's been really bad through three games this year. And when Mo Kaba got hurt, my heart just sunk in my chest because now, you know, you're counting on a guy who's had two season-ending injuries <clears throat> and three long 
you know, standing injury since he's been at South Carolina. And then a true freshman backing him up who in his first game playing, he gets banged up and has to leave the game. Stone Black. And, uh, you know, I think Clayton White kind of uh, made a major tell during the week when talking to Todd Blackwoods and Sean McDonough, when he said, I've been coaching safeties for 20 years and Nick Eamon Warrior's the best freshman safety I've ever seen. He's a linebacker's coach. Yeah. yeah, but he's but it's really his graduate assistant as the linebacker's coach, just like it was last year. And South Carolina needs a really good linebacker's coach. Not a graduate assistant, but you also need Zach Pickens to play like a five-star. You need MJ Webb to play like a sixth-year guy that was a four-star recruit that you beat Auburn and Florida for. You need Tonka Hemingway to play well. You need Nick Barrett and TJ Sanders to play well. I mean, all you've heard about is Jimmy Lindsay and how great allegedly he is at developing players and how much he's brought this group along. But if he has, JC, they are not able to carry it from the practice, uh, you know, field to the game field. They're just not. And this is an old veteran roster you have a number of fourth fifth and sixth year players that are playing that are starting and that are on the depth chart as second team players and they've just been getting whipped through three games absolutely it's been entirely frustrating watching the line of as experienced as it is with as much talent, you know, that we were, you know, told and, and brought up even through the, uh, you know, preseason this year, this is going to be one of the best groups we've got. Well, I mean, it remains to be seen and we're staring down another season where a safety is going to be the number one tackler, <laughs> you know, when that shouldn't be the way it is. Uh, we're fortunate to have him. Don't get me wrong, but damn, <laughs> you get, getting beat up front every time, every game, even against Georgia state. A Sunbelt team. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Emanwari leads the country in tackles. The whole yeah. country. Yeah, in unassisted tackles. He mm-hmm. does. I mean, that, that should be, another, yeah. Here's another telling stat. It's like the next two or three players are defensive linemen, and there's no linebacker among your top four tacklers. Now, I know Cabba's injury yeah. skews that. To a certain degree, but Brad Johnson was uh, second on the team in tackles last year, and he's playing almost every play. And I just think that goes to, sh- you know, show that the the proof is in the pudding. There, he is not being productive at linebacker. Would you play Debo Williams? I mean, at some point. You got to get them ready because, look, you know, it wasn't just B.J. Gibson that got exposed. They put Donovan Westmoreland in there, and he hesitated, you know, one half a second, and his guy wheeled right past him on a combo route. You got to get them ready. 
You know, you got to get these guys ready to play. You can't just turn them loose uh, at Kentucky or against Texas A&M. That's why I think these next two weeks, J.C., are really critical for the development of some of the younger players, and it's really critical for this offensive staff to come up with a game plan that actually moves the pocket, has some misdirection in it, and get Spencer Rattler some clean looks because he's just backpedaling, throwing off his back foot because the pressure is on him. And every time we go into five wide, they're just going to send six or seven. And there's no quick developing plays out of the five wide. That's even more uh, vaccine and perplexing. I don't understand that at all. I mean, you look at teams that go five a lot, you know, like – dare I say Mississippi state, you know, they have really quick reads and stuff. I mean, it, that, that's, you know, I don't see that. I don't see any slants, anything like that. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like the middle of the field's off limits. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, why, you know? So, all right, Keith. Well, so yeah, two get well right. games coming up. All right. So one last point. Is look, I have no doubt Marcus Satterfield, he knows football. But JC, so did John Hunt. He was the master of the whiteboard. He could draw up all the schemes, the protections, the slides. I'm sure Satterfield, he can draw all this up. But there's a difference between knowing football and having a feel in game for when to call what plays on your play sheet. And, you know, you got another third and eight in Georgia territory, and you run Christian Bill Smith up the middle for minus one, fourth and nine. And, I mean, that's just another what the fudge sickle moment for Marcus Satterfield. You know, I mean – uh, last week I said it, you know, I don't know how good of an idea it is for your current players to have a podcast. Josh Fan brings it up. Well, Satterfield in the game at Arkansas, all of a sudden he pulls out a play that they hadn't even practiced for three weeks and says, okay, it's third down. Let's go execute this. Look, you have periods in practice during the week where you have your first down, your second down, you've got your third down play sheet on what you practice and what you're going to use. And let's face it, Marcus Siderfield is not Steve Spurrier. He can't see a look and go back and then explain it well enough for the guys to be able to go out there and execute it. Yeah. I just, yeah. It is, leaves a lot to be desired. I, I, you know, when we watched Steve Spurrier Jr. call plays, and, and I, I don't think anybody would call his tenure calling plays what he did uh, successful at South Carolina. Uh, a, big, a big flaw of his, I thought, where, where it's kind of separated from his dad. Yeah, it's the same plays. But but he, he would get in this habit. He would go run, 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 run. Pass, 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 pass. You know, and there was no balance to it. And and I think if you really look at this this offense drive to drive, there is no balance. You had a touchdown drive last week against Arkansas where you had zero passing yards. Um, and you can look and see this drive, we're going to try to pass it. This drive, we're going to try to run it. And at some point, you go to the well too many times, Keith, 
the defense is going to tee off on you. And that 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 played at Bill Smith, too. I think he tried to bounce it out because the hole wasn't there. You know, that guy hadn't carried the ball a whole lot this year. That's a critical situation. Even if you do have two downs, that's a critical situation. I, I, I was not happy about that one either. I mean, so, look, to me, Juju McDowell has been, uh, outside of Juice Wells, the best player on offense. He's undersized, but the guy, he's a bring-your-guts guy. He plays harder than anybody else. And you got to figure out a way to get your best players on the field. And at this point, J.C., there's no doubt in my mind, Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell are two of the best 11 players or the best six players outside of your five offensive linemen, right? Because you have to play with five offensive linemen. You can play with more, but you have to have at least five. And you got a quarterback, so that's five skilled players. Juju McDowell is on that list. And he's he he just wants it more than everybody else. Makes I mean, things happen. He's got it. He's just got that burning desire uh in his heart, that intangible desire to be great and to refuse to lose. And he needs to be on the field more, in my opinion. I can see that. Well, two get get by games. Uh, by the way, they just announced the SC State kickoff. Kicks off at noon, October 1st. So, night game and a home game. Uh, Charlotte, man, uh, got up off the mat, got their quarterback back. Five touchdown passes. They upset the Panthers of Georgia State last week, Keith. Uh, so, they're going to come in here with some confidence. Uh, you know, I, they were terrible their first three games, but uh, – you know, sometimes a win like that could turn it around, and I'm sure they're going to come in uh, not scared. Uh, and neither will South Carolina State and that group, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was really surprised. I didn't realize they were going to have their quarterback uh, back. You know, they were down to like their third team quarterback uh, in in at least one game, and. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, Sean Elliott kind of has this pattern of playing tough against the big schools. You know, they played tough against South Carolina, really the the big difference there, the two block punts. They get North Carolina, and they, you know, really had a chance to win that game. Then you get Charlotte, and you lay an egg. Skip Holtz did the same thing. Yeah, I just I, – I, I love both those guys, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of weird, kind of weird. But, yeah, that was a that was a shocker. So, but, I mean, uh, if this is the fourth quarter game on Saturday night, I just can't imagine – I mean, the Boo Birds are going to be out. I mean, like I said, J.C., South Carolina over exceeded expectations last year because they got – Really lucky with Florida basically throwing in the towel and Auburn doing the same thing and some other luck as well. But there's no excuse on offense this year. You can't blame the players for it. And yet, through three games, 
you've actually been worse than you were a year ago. And that's really alarming. And maybe that's just the growing pains of Spencer Rattler in a completely different system. But, I mean, you were overwhelmed on the perimeter by Georgia State, better against Arkansas, but critical mistakes. Rattler has made some very poor decisions and some very bad throws at inopportune moments. And all of that's got to change. And so now to me, you've got two weeks to clean all that up before you hit the road and go to Lexington because, that, I mean, that is really a huge game. But October, when you've got Kentucky and then you get two weeks to get ready for four-loss Jimbo and then Missouri comes to town at the end of the month, those games – uh, it is absolutely critical for South Carolina and what they're going to do. And quite frankly, Florida. I mean, look, I said it. Florida gets a lucky win against Utah. They fumble the ball uh, at the one-yard line, and then they throw an interception on the last drive uh, when they're only down by three and only need a field goal. Jeff Scott – and Bobby Bentley were dialing up ball plays, and they were in the red zone. I think at they the were end. in the 17-yard line with 50 seconds to go. And the center snaps it below the quarterback's hands, basically rolls it back there like a bowling ball, all the way back to the 35. Florida has absolutely been gifted both of their wins – and this Anthony Richardson for Heisman or as the second-best quarterback in the SEC, I'm sorry, that is an aberration. I mean, there is an opportunity for South Carolina to go to the swamp and, and beat them again, uh, Sun Belt Billy and uh, AR-15. Maybe he'll be number AR-16 by then. I don't know. But. <laughs> There, there's a lot of football to be left. And so, like I said, so what? You got blown out by Georgia. Now what? That is the most important question for Shane Beamer, for Marcus Satterfield, what they do with this offense, how they prepare to play, and how physical they decide to become as a football team because there's a lot of ball left to be played this season. Yep. Keith, appreciate it, man. I think you lived up to uh, the expectations there. <laughs> that was awesome. Keith, all set from the Lot on the Gamecast podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back. Day. Hour number two uh, finishes up after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina 
very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I you. I used to be president of the United States, and I love the show with Phil and JC. Well, thanks, Bill. We appreciate it. Of course, we're still in the second hour, which is sponsored by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake uh, for your commercial real estate needs. If y'all are, uh, yeah, I would say buying or selling any commercial real estate, give them a call. 
um, and they'll be happy to take care of you. And of course, support for Inside the Gamecocks. The show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools. Excuse me for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Remember, it's 20% off and free worldwide shipping for you using the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free worldwide shipping for you at manscaped.com using the code BIGSPUR. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Manscaped. Uh, Xavier, Pacific Northwesterner, on the Nana Sports chat box, chimes in. I don't completely fault Spencer for the interceptions. Should not have thrown those balls, agreed. But both of those plays, he had a defender within inches of his face. Yeah, I, I don't fault him for making plays. And uh, look, man. He's not getting any help. He's no I, was, help. I was really, really like happy for Luke Doty Saturday against the third team leading a couple of drives, but man, the game's over. Then that's not a reason to change quarterbacks. There, there, there's, there's, there's a school of thought out there about some people that will just defend everything. Um, the dude needs to be supplanting Spencer. And look, if things get really bad and that will turn your team around, great. But Rattler or Doty, for one, that's not going to keep DeCarry and Joyner from walking out there on third and six with the opening drive of the game against the number one team in the country. <laughs> that's not going to keep the, the 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 run up the middle on third and nine from being called. That's not going to that's not going to ha- that's not going to keep the play sheet or the the play selection from being run 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 pass 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 pass. pass. Yeah, it doesn't explain why you're getting, you know, beat up the middle of your offensive line and, you know, yeah. you actually see more fullback when Doty's in there than you do when Rattler is. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to make any sense. All right, so I help Consulting Mailback has some people that have something to say. Ross, our boy Ross, came at us, came at us from halftime. He said, coming at you at halftime, expecting us to be outmatched in this game, but we can't get it of our own way. That and Sat is killing me. <laughs> Ryan says, my favorite play calls from Coach Sat are the screens and swing passes that go for a loss or no gain. At least it's consistent. I, I'd like, you know, yeah. I don't even Another know throw behind the line of scrimmage. Another completion behind the line of scrimmage. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. Jonathan says, not a bit Spencer Post, longtime listener, seldom poster. Georgia games reminiscent of the FSU game in the early 90s. Yeah, outmatch. Completely mm-hmm. not competitive. I just want to say this. This is where Muschamp left us. Better days ahead. I believe this team and our coach. Uh, let's go chase bowl eligibility. I, you know, uh, Will Muschamp hadn't been the coach at South Carolina for a while. Uh, I think, what, we're 19 games since he's been the, the, the coach there. Uh, there's players on this roster, and you don't believe me? Uh, watch them when they leave Carolina. See what they do. Yeah, there's going yeah. to be some guys that you're going – where was this at in Columbia? Uh, you know, I, so I, I you know, I, I think that to a certain extent, you know, being one and two is fine because I, I think Arkansas and Georgia are just both ahead of Carolina right now. But it's how they've gotten there. And, and it's, the, it's the specifics, uh, Jonathan. But you know what? I, I like your enthusiasm. Love the fact that, uh, you know, you, you remember those early 90s, late 80s Gamecock teams because those things were crazy too. Uh, Gamecock fan says, when Rattler said it shouldn't be that difficult to get them the ball, that's my biggest takeaway. 
everything seems so difficult. It's hard to deal with. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know, but you just don't have words on a day like today, you know. Yeah, like, well, and gonna... I don't. I don't want to sit here and just hammer the offensive coordinator, right? I don't want to sit here and just. I mean, it seems kind of foolish when you when you lose a game forty eight seven and you can't get off the field on defense to go. Well, play calling. It's and all play, the offense. Yeah, it, it didn't play play calling, and the offense didn't cost them that game. What 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 it did was, it prevented them from even ha- even having any moments when they were in it. How about that? Yeah, uh, because I, I think Georgia runs away with it anyway, <laughs> uh, in the second half. But you know, it was over at halftime because you know three missed op- three huge missed opportunities that bogged down uh, for whatever reason, starting with. Hey, let's run a play on third and six in a very important game against the border rival and the top team in the country with the crowd going crazy after we've gotten a first down that never worked last year, ever. Not once. No. Nope. Not even on first and goal at the two at Tennessee did that work. Remember, guys, that was the they ran this stuff before, and Tennessee read it too, because they knew Joyner was going to keep it. Uh before they ran the Birch Pass down there, they ran Joyner. Joyner didn't hand it. Lloyd would have walked in the end zone. Joyner keeps it and kind of goes and gets. You know, tackled, I think, for a game of the yard. It's not the carry-on's fault, man. He's out there trying to make a play. Yeah. Uh, it's when you do that. What are you asking him to do in that situation? No, I mean, you put him back there in the backfield and you got 80,000 people sitting there watching you, plus millions on the TV who all know what's about to happen. They know exactly what's going to happen. Everybody I, knows what's about I, to happen. I, Credit Joiner for getting three yards. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> I expected him to get tackled for a loss. To be right, honest. yeah, hey, you yeah. Know, that kid actually ran pretty hard up in there and got three. Hey, yeah. that's a good, it's a good thing. And 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 so if that was if that was a if they were going to go for it on fourth, then then why not go for it on fourth and three in that situation in midfield? All right, Upstate Gamecock says I don't know a darn thing about strength and conditioning or being a coach, but it seems to me like our guys are getting their butts whipped during individual matchups on the line on the perimeter and down the field. Have you noticed it, or is it just me? Um, I, I it, it's hard because you know Arkansas and Georgia are probably two of the strongest teams in in, in the country. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and uh, you know I, I've heard nothing but good things about the strength program. Um, you know, and I, and I know we're all looking for answers, right? Uh, uh, I think, quite frankly, like I said before, some of the defensive players need to take a look in the mirror and go, why is a true freshman our best player? Yeah. And and raise their level of play accordingly. Uh, you know, would that have made a difference against Georgia? Probably not. But it can make a difference moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Bob, Rob says, is it time to move on from Satterfield? Or do you want to see if the all, all O can move the ball versus Kentucky? It's not my, my it's not my decision. I, I think anybody that's listened to me or read my work long enough knows what I would have done last year. <laughs> uh, and and so I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, I, I don't see Shane Beamer. I mean, it would surprise me if, if he made a, a move midseason. You know. Yeah. Uh, ben says, "Did Wells play today? He did." <laughs> I was at the game, so wouldn't have heard the announcers mention it. But I don't remember him seeing the field. Definitely didn't check in the stats afterward. Need to get in the ball if he's out there. Yeah, Georgia did a pretty good job against him, but still. Uh, and I am bro. Bigs per pod. During the previous regime, there was a lot of talk about quarterbacks getting us into the right play. Bentley did it. Hill supposedly did. Uh, Hill did. He just didn't. 
you know, <laughs> there were issues. Uh, and Helensky struggled mightily. He did. I haven't heard that regarding Rattler. Are the checks in this offense no good either? See, I thought last year they, they kind of wasted a lot of time trying to get in the right play with Zeb. Um, audible almost too much. I, I thought that was what was going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably why you go get a five-star quarterback, right? He can read the defense and get you in the right play. I, I haven't seen it. I mean, and look, it, it, maybe that's happening and we just don't – we can't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would do, Phil, is, is if, if you're not – if the quarterback, that's not part of his responsibility – um, and look, man, you want to, they put a lot on the center too, to call out the right protection, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, you're losing something by sticking with the same center. Uh, and I'm not trying to be ugly or anything here. I, I just, you know, you know, that the, the, at some point you got to say, all right, so, so, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to go with the guy that knows they can call them, call it, you know, or are we going to go with the guy that's, you know, not going to get overwhelmed physically? I don't know. Yeah. And look, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Like I said, I don't think the O line played terribly. No, you know, and we don't see him day in and day out. But if you yeah. were going to make some changes on that offensive line, uh, now's the time. Do it now. Yeah. <laughs> you got two games now. you should win. Do it now. Get them comfy, and then take the show on the road up to Lexington and and hope for the best. Hope for the best. Yeah, Nick says we coach better. Uh, see, he's, he's answered the poll. By the way, all of the above is running away, and I knew it would with the poll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Play better, coach better, what? It's 92% all of the above. Uh, <laughs> and Nick says, coach better. We still need more talent on the roster to provide depth. These players can't be as bad as we look. The number of these guys will be playing on Sunday, it's a coaching issue. I Look, I, I, I agree. Like I said, you know, some of these folks that want to just blame everything, you know, on, on the players, they want to sit there and, you know, dissect one play and go, oh, here's what's happened. Try to tell you what's happening here, there, and yonder, when really that's probably not even accurate. Uh, and then we'll throw the players under the bus. I'm about done with that. You know, I, I'm just about done with the uh, the crew that can't really see the obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you, you want to blame it all over the players, that's fine. You know, but I, I think, you know, when you look at – you know, what's being called and when. And, and you know, I, I, I look, I'll look at some other schools too. Unless you're sitting there, other programs, other teams, Phil, and unless you're sitting there running it, gashing them over and over, there's probably never reason, a reason to call like an entire drive full of run plays. No, no. You know, and likewise for the pass. Yeah. You know, Georgia didn't run, 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 and throw, 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 throw. It was run, throw. Run, run, throw, throw, throw. Attack. You know, I mean. <laughs> attack this side of the field. Yeah. I'm over here now. Oh, your best player just got hurt. You know what? I'm going after the replacement. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that's called, that's that's football 101, yeah, man. I mean, we just don't see it. At that we side. don't see it at South Carolina right now. Hopefully it changes. You know, maybe. And I you, coaches are just like players. Sometimes they can get into a groove. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you break habits and tendencies. See, the football is all about tendencies too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now you can watch South Carolina through three games and, oh, okay, they opened a drive with with a couple of runs. Well, they're going to keep on running it, you know, mm-hmm. or they open a drive with a couple of runs. Well, this is going to be a passing series. That That's called being predictable. You know, that's called a tendency. Yeah. Oh, it, what would have been beautiful is to see, you know, DeCarrie and Joyner there on the opening drive 
fake like he's going to run it, then maybe drop something right over the line to a guy that might be, oh, I don't know, a yard close to the first down. And then, <laughs> you know, do a little pop pass or something like that. Or, or, you know, go against your tendencies. That's the thing. And that's what really differentiates good play callers versus bad ones. You know, it was like, you might have the best plays drawn up, but if you don't know how to use them, then you ain't got shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. exactly. but there again, your your defense is also coughing up a whole boatload of yards every game. So it's not like you can throw all the blame on one man. I know it's easy to hate Satterfield because we're all looking at it now and we've got a body of work, to, you know, to, to point fingers at. But, you know, if you can't stop them, what good is it? <laughs> I know. That's true. Aaron says, what do you think of Step constantly retweeting his players from the other school? Seems like he doesn't uphold his current players like he does the old ones. Recruiting has been BMAC 2.0 so far, too. That's not true. Uh, yeah, I disagree with that. I, I mean, don't agree with that at all. Portal editions. I mean, you don't think I mean, Jeep is a good player? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't remember outside of Shy Smith, <laughs> BMAC, and that was Bobby Bentley. I mean, I don't remember BMAC recruiting anybody. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, just frustrating. He's always talking about his old players. Hard to see him talk about his new ones. Very noticeable on Twitter. Got to think his players see it too. No, nah, there's nothing in t- inside the program where they're, you know, what he's doing, Aaron. And, and this was, I, I get it because I've noticed the same tendency, but he retweets guys like Cortland Freeman that I think he's in the NFL and he played for Steph or Burks or oh, know, yeah, guys, that, button, guys yeah, that he's yeah. coached that are doing big things. Mm-hmm. That helps you recruit. Um, I, I think at some point everybody's got to kind of get off this. Uh, High school recruiting versus portal recruiting. It's all the same thing. That room's been flipped. The receivers aren't the problem right now. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the deal uh, right there. Uh, Bullish says, for all the folks saying blame it on Shane for Iron Sat, think about this. Imagine the money budget Shane had to work with after stadium upgrades and champ iron firing all within five years. Uh, and that's Bullish Namsey Rebel. Well, uh, he was paying Bobo $1.2 million a year. Where where is the budget issue? Yeah, I don't think money is an issue. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you know, not to pay coordinators. This is the SEC, man. Um, you know, the, the stadium upgrades. <laughs> ah, I'm done with that. That's just that's just another kind of way to sit there and and try to find a way to blame Ray Tanner for this. <laughs> And I'm done with that. I'm just, uh, you know, look, man, that's not that's not Tanner's fault. Uh, that's on, you know, Beamer. Beamer hired who Beamer wanted to hire. Okay, uh, you know, and I, and I understood the the idea. You know, just like, you know, Keith rattled off about four or five guys that could do it on paper. Kurt Roper, definitely on paper would would impress you. I mean, you know, could he call it during the game? No, ask anybody that was on that staff, <laughs> you know, and then BMAC did a lot better job calling it during the game. Um, and it had no experience doing it. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, there, but I, I'm not bullish. I'm not, that, that's, I get it, but you know, that the, the budget for the OC, it, it was not, a, not a problem, you know, at the time. Uh, and in fact, you could have gone and gotten guys, from FCS or Group of Five for that amount. I mean, that's that's still eight hundred grand. I think is what he paid. That's good money. It's really good money. Yeah. No. Uh, he he. Shane Beamer hired Marcus Satterfield. But Shane Beamer 
believed that he was the right guy for the job. That's it. Bottom line, you know, right or wrong. And, you know, maybe things will click and maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we'll be wrong, but you know, you gotta, as I always say, you have to look at what you know right now. And what we know right now is it's been 16 games of erratic offense, terrible play calling, uh, Points left on the field, poor execution, terrible game plans, you know, and that's for the most part. That's not all the time, but for the most part. And uh, an offense that doesn't really get going unless you're lining up and smashing the other team in the face and getting a push, which I don't know that South Carolina is equipped to do each and every game. So there you go. There you go. And that's the end of today's show. Bullish says he didn't say Blaine Ray Tanner, not one of those people. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I just kind of thought maybe – it might be heading um, in that direction. That's might be heading in that direction. Ray's not so, calling not plays, bad. and he's not on the field. Naked. Yeah, please <laughs> continue to participate. My bad. Quantrell yeah. says he likes Shane's fire in defense of his team during press conferences on the Charlotte. I agree. I don't. I don't think he needs to change. You know, I, I don't think he needs to change. He's not going to. No, I don't um, hate the positive message. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and let's face it. We're we just got our ass kicked by two top ten teams. Yeah, I, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he gets negative. If he gets negative, you know, then you go and the team gets negative and then things snowball, and that's when you get a toxic situation. And then you're Florida, you know, playing us last year and losing games you shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. All right. Mm-hmm. For Phil Mullinex, J.C. Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Who we got tomorrow, Phil? We got uh, the Mental Edge. Yeah, Mental Edge with uh, Sawyer Nicks. We're going to talk about some uh, suicide prevention because this is uh, Suicide Prevention Month here in September. So we're going to acknowledge that. And uh, working on somebody else, maybe, maybe not. If not, I know we got uh, Evan Big Easy with Tito's and Chicken on Wednesday. <laughs> I know. Looking forward to having Yeah, same here. I, I, I love their project. On the show. All mm-hmm. right, for Phil Long, next JC Sherbert. Inside the game, guys, the show. Have a wonderful afternoon, folks, and promise you uh, things will get better. Just hang in there. That's right. Uh, and we'll see you tomorrow.